Amen. Let's bring the lights up, gentlemen. Hey, uh, so we believe the Bible. And so uh, I just want to set this up because uh, there are nine gifts of the Spirit. And if you've ever been to a, a, some Pentecostal churches, they just kind of wild with some things. But the Spirit of God will speak to you, and you need to hear what the Spirit of God has to say. And I'm setting up that, that a word of wisdom can come, and God can show you the future. A word of knowledge can come, and God will show you some things that have happened to hurt, heal, heal people. And so then there's miracles, and there's, there's uh, gifts of healing. Two different things, uh, there are tongues and interpretation, and there's prophecy. Prophecy is edification, exhortation, and comfort. And uh, Miss Shirley has told me she has a word. I trust Miss Shirley, and uh, I don't know what it is, but that's called faith. And so I'm, I trust her to get If you come up and say, Pastor, I got a word, I'm going to have to hear what you got to say. But Miss Shirley, is, is, uh, she's one of my overseers. And she, uh, you know, I go to her for counsel, and she actually comes to me for counsel, and I'm like, oh, Lord. But, Miss Shirley, would you come right now? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Today, we will hear of seed, seed of his word, seed in his word. And so, his word is incorruptible seed. But it must be planted. It must be planted in the soil of your heart, your spirit. Because you see, saith the Lord, when you have not planting, you have no harvest. No harvest. So when you plant in a natural garden, you have the natural seed. You sow it in natural soil. You protect it. You care for it. But then there's the time of harvest. So today, you will hear of seed. Seed in many, many variety of seed. But you have the soil. Remember what I said in Mark 4? Four different kinds of soil, but good seed. So as you sow the seed today, in your spirit, in good soil, then you expect the harvest. There will be a harvest. My word won't return void. So whether it is for the comfort which you can have, whether it's restoration in your marriage, in your body, or growth in family finances or this church, there will be seed to accomplish. How do you plant that seed, you will ask? Psalms 45.1 said, plant the seed, but how do you do it? You plant it with your tongue is the pen of a ready writer. When you write it in your spirit, you do it with your mouth. You plant it with your words. You plant with your words. And so as you hear today, 
there's many needs here. Take the seed of God's word. Remember, saith the Lord, if you don't plant, you will not harvest. I'm providing seed. You provide the soil. And then we'll go together for the harvest. No matter what the harvest is you need, the seed of my word is your answer as you plant it. So listen, intently so, and plant. And once you plant, care for the seed, care for it. Don't let the enemy steal the seed before you have a harvest. And you shall harvest in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So anybody need sermon notes? That was a good word. It's what we're preaching on the day. Is anybody any sermon notes? Anybody wave at me? Wave at the ushers in the back. Two on this side, one on that side, 18 on this side. Just kidding. So we want to hear the word of God today. Amen. So we're in a series talking about the Bible. And the Bible is God's word. It's a library of 66 different books, 46 authors, 1,500 years to write it, and it all corresponds back and forth to each other. There's prophecies in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the New and that are being fulfilled right up to today. And we need to live by the Word. It was written in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, and it's the inspired Word of God. I'm going to read our foundation scriptures. If you, if you want to pull they're going to be on the screen right quick. Psalms 138.2, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above your name. How much does God put into his word? He magnifies the word of God above his name. He's trying to say, this is important. You need to get it. Okay? Listen to this, 2 Timothy 3.6. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof or rebuke, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or the woman of God be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of God will equip you. God doesn't put things on you to teach you things. The word of God was sent to teach you things. And you, you know, well, I just didn't get it. No, you need to obey the word. If you're not obeying the word, then you're out from underneath the, the, the kingdom of God. You're out from underneath the, the, the umbrella of God. And when we live on our own and do our own thing, we, we get our own thing, not God's thing, right? One more, Matthew 24, 35, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. That's why you need to put the Word of God in your heart. That's why you need to have it in your mouth, and you need to be saying what God says about you. How about this? There's a promise. There are promises, over 3,000 promises. They're duplicated sometimes, and there's a promise for every problem you have. And you remember when we were kids or maybe back in, when you went to church, uh, we sang a lot of hymns, and I, I love hymns. Some of them not so good, some of them, but... How about standing on the promises of Christ, my King, through the eternal ages, let his praises ring. You ever heard that one? 
So what promises are you standing on? Standing on the promises. Let me get it right. Standing on the promises of God. They do it that way, huh? Do it religiously. What promises are you standing on? We sang that, but nobody ever told me how to stand on a promise. Nobody taught me to, to, to live through the promise. There are, there are 100 scriptures that are promises for healing. Can you quote one? You ought to be quoting one every day. Just saying. And you're going to say, I heard that, I've heard you preach this before. I tried to preach this at least once a year. And if you've heard it before, then why don't you have a promise in your mouth every morning? We want to read the Bible. Well, quit reading the Bible and read one promise over and over and over and over until you can quote it, that God sent his word to heal me. And we know in John 1 that Jesus is the word that was with God, that was God. And verse 14, he became flesh and dwelt among us. God sent Jesus to heal us. We quoted in Psalms 103, and I laughed at the little four and five, six-year-olds on the front row. To heal all my diseases, they're quoting everything that we're quoting. That's why we do that. We do it every Sunday. And that's a healing promise. But it went right over your head. You hadn't got a hold of that. You can quote it, but you don't put two and two together. That's a promise for me. He forgives all our sins. Well, oh, yeah, I know Jesus died on the cross. He died for our healing too. Jesus told them they dropped the man down. And he's paralytic, and they drop him down, and he saw the faith of the four guys. They tearing the roof off, and Jesus said, son, your sins be forgiven. And everybody goes, that's right, God forgives sins. But he said, the and but then they went, oh, who does he think he is to forgive somebody's sin? He said, to prove the Son of Man can forgive sins, rise up, take up your bed, and get on out of here. He healed the man. But now you talk about today, you go to a church and you talk about God forgives you of your sins. And they, oh, yeah. And you say, well, God wants you well. And you go, oh, what are you talking about? It's the same thing. Sin's a curse. Sickness is a curse. It's the same thing. But we don't put it on the same level that we ought to fight sickness. Well, because there's all kinds. The Lord's trying to teach me something. Baloney. Then why are you going to the hospital if the Lord's trying to teach you something? Why are you going to the doctor if the Lord's trying to teach you something? That does not make sense. You're supposed to fight it. And you fight with, you go ahead and take your medication, but you better be fighting it with the Word too. You better put the Word of God on it. And nothing wrong with taking a bare aspirin or a Tylenol, but you need to be speaking the Word to your headache or to your body. Craziness. But Jesus spoke to bodies, spoke to storms. Learn to speak the Word of God, and that's what we're talking about today. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you, Father, that you engraft the Word of God in the good soul of our heart, and we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. And Mark, the fourth chapter, uh, it's the parable of the sower. We're going to read the parable, and Jesus, uh, we're going to start in verse 3, and this is Jesus. He said, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened that he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. And when the birds of the air came and devoured it, some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. So some fell, but just he's walking around, and some fell out of a seed bag, and the birds ate that. Some fell on the stony ground where it didn't have much earth, and immediately it sprang up, and it had no depth of earth. And when the sun came up, it scorched it because it had, uh, it had no root, so it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. 
and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on the good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, produced some 30-fold, uh, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. And he said to them, he who has ear to hear, ears to hear, let him hear. So, so we're going to break this parable down. Why are we breaking this parable down? I'm glad you asked. In Mark 4.13, this parable is paramount. It's important. Look what it says. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? Because his own disciples who had been walking with him said, I don't know, what, what does he mean by this? He said, do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all parables? This parable is a key to live as a Christian. This parable is so important that we need to get this. And most of us don't get it. We just hoping and wishing, and we're like a frog. We hop and we hope we don't bump something too hard when we hit the ground. And we wish, but the Bible says we don't wish or hope we live by faith. We live by trusting in God, adhering to God no matter what. We're going to trust God and believe God and stand upon his word and put his word in our heart and in our mouth. So number one, we're going to break this parable down. If you're look, looking at your notes, number one is the sowing of the seed. It's the word of God. We have to sow the seed. And, and, and it says that in Mark 4.14, Jesus is describing this parable, and he says the sower sows the word. So the word of God is seed. Okay? The Word of God is seed, and you have to plant it. And, and so as we look at this, uh, in Genesis 8, this is a spiritual thing, but it's also a physical thing. And we know about people planting corn and peas and, and, and whatever, green beans or whatever you plant. But if you put corn in the ground and it rose up, how many years during the cup? Miss Becky, you're a farmer. How many years come on a stalk of corn? Two or three. But how many kernels of corn are on one ear ah hundreds hundreds and so one kernel of corn will produce hundreds one stalk produces hundreds the word of god is the same way it produces in your life and so as we look at this in genesis 8 22 it says while the earth remains seed time and harvest cold and heat winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. Seed time and harvest. There's a spiritual seed time and harvest, and there's a physical seed time and harvest. And we need to spiritually grow. Bump somebody and say, I'm ready to grow. Because you know what? You can be saved for 40 years and not be, I don't have any growth. You know, we got these, all the kids left out of here, and, and that none of them had mustaches. Because they haven't grown up yet. But do you have a spiritual mustache, ladies? Do you have a spiritual? Are you growing? Come on, we got to grow up. We got to grow up in the Word. We have to know what the Word. When a problem comes, we don't need to go, oh, it looks bad. We need to answer with what, how God did, and he answered with his faith. He looked at the darkness in Genesis 1-1 and said, whoo, sure is dark out there. If he would have said that, it would still be dark. But he said, he looked at the problem. He did not say it was dark. He did not speak the problem. He spoke the answer. The promises of God are your answer. Okay? Number two, the hindrances to the seed. We're going to break it down. 
In Mark 4, 15, it says, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes the word with, that was sown in their hearts, that was sown in their hearts, that was sown in their hearts. The heart is the soul. The heart is not this. That's your physical heart. It's talking about your spirit. You are a spirit. And when the Bible talks about your spirit, man, it talks about your heart. The best part of a watermelon is the heart. The strength of the tree comes from the heart of the tree. You are a spirit, and you have to learn to feed your spirit, okay? And we have to put a word, the Word of God in our spirit, in our heart, and we do that. We plant it, and so we'll get to that. We'll dig into it, but I just want to show you it was sown in their hearts. Look, the, if, 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 if you just hear because somebody made you come, the seed's falling on the wayside, and as soon as you walk out the door, you're going to think about, shoot, I'm going to McDonald's. Forget all this mess. Immediately, Satan comes to take the word. You ever walk out of church or come to church and be in the middle of a big fight with your wife or your husband? That's Satan trying to keep you from receiving the word. Just saying. He's the devil. That's what he does. And so we got to recognize him, that he's trying to keep us superficial and not in-depth as a Christian. Okay. Okay. Amen, Pastor. Yes, sir. In verse 16, likewise, the ones that are stoned on the stony ground, sown on the stony ground, when they hear, uh, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. But they have no root in themselves, so they endure for a time. Now, now, and so, so when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. You know, people, people come at me. They come at me. Well, you, you preach healing, you preach salvation for everybody, you preach this, you preach that, and they're coming, they're persecuting me, trying to talk me out of preaching the good news, the gospel. Jesus said, he sent out the 12 and said, hey, go and preach the kingdom of God is at hand, and heal the sick, and cast out devils, and tell them about the good news. That's what we're supposed to do. And so, so we look, and, and you look, and these, you can have stones in your heart. What do you mean, Pastor Brett, the way you was raised? You can have a bend and just bitter because something happened to you as a child. Maybe you were child abuse, and you just don't trust anybody. Now you got a stone in your heart of no trust. Or maybe some preacher hurt you. I, I had a friend of mine that was abused by a priest in the Catholic church. And oh, boy, he hated church. But man, one day he gave his heart to Jesus and the Holy Spirit came in and healed him. And that man, well, I've never seen somebody so full of joy. And I mean, he was so full of joy because God had touched his heart and changed and took that big stone out of, out of him. And he didn't even go to church because he had this big rock and he, nothing could get, but Jesus broke that stone. He rolled the stone away. Some of y'all may have some stones in your heart. Maybe you're doing good in this area, but this area, you got a big rock that needs to be rolled out. I love driving up and down the highway. You basically go up 77 North, and you can look up in that pasture, and somebody took the stones up and stacked them up. They stacked them up, and they may even make fences out of those stones. But they got them out of the pasture so the grass can grow better, or they can plant some corn, or they can plant something. You need to get the stones out of your heart. You need to get that bitterness out of your heart. Bitterness will rob you. Unforgiveness. Strife is a stone. 
Strife lets in every evil work. You wonder why things are happening? Maybe you're in unforgiveness. Check your heart. Maybe you're bitter about something. Don't get bitter. Check your heart. Ask God to come in. Show me. Show me, Lord. Speak to me. Show me where I'm bitter. Show me where I'm hurt. Show me where I'm mad at my husband. Show me where I'm mad at my wife. How does it happen that things change you or you're not being changed? Well, that's just the way we are. No, it's not. You're in a new family. Remember last Sunday? You're in the family of God. I don't care if everybody in your family acted that way. You need to change. You need to be like Christ. That's what the Bible says. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And blood is thicker than water. The blood of Jesus is thicker than the womb water you were born in. That's what that really means. That's covenant, isn't it? So they have no root in themselves. They endure for a time after when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake. Immediately they stumble. You, oh, you one of them churchgoers. You a Bible thumper. Persecution comes. I can't, well, well you, you just go ahead and pray all you want. I don't want to hear it. That's persecution. And actually, it can be worse than that. You go to China. They're going to put you in prison. Verse 18, now these are the ones sold among, uh, among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and desire of other things come in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. I can't go to church. I got to work. I got to work. I will not be poor. I will not be poor. I, you're relying on your own hands. You're relying on your own strength. You're not trusting God. You're not doing that. And I know some people have to, you have to work on Sunday, but it's not that you have to work on Sunday. It's that you not to trust God. God knows you if your job requires you to work on Sunday. That he's not going to send you to hell because you're working on Sunday. But you ought to have a Sabbath where you feed upon God's Word. All these people, I mean, I, I've, I've been in the deer woods, and I like the deer woods, and I've had times with God in the deer woods, but I had time with God. I made time with God. I didn't just say, well, you know, I'm, well, you know, come on, Lord. And I talk, I talk about, Lord, help me catch a fish. Me and the Lord had a good time. Well, you know, you didn't, you, you had a good time. He was there trying to put the word in you. And you're trying to figure out what kind of color bait to use next time. I'm picking on the men, but it's truth. Put the Word of God. Put it in some earphones. How about every one of us has got a smartphone? Do a recording of yourself speaking the promises of God and then play them back to yourself. I said last Sunday I made a cassette tape. Y'all remember what cassette? They were little plastic things. They had two holes right there. and they, I used to make a cassette of the promises of God, and I'd listen to them going down the road of me speaking them. And then they helped me memorize them. That's why I can mistake Psalms 91, but I memorized that riding and reading the book. But, hey. All right. But make your promises first person. Psalms 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's I dwell in the secret place of the Most High God, and I abide under the shadow of the Almighty, and I will say of the Lord, He's my God, my fortress, and Him do I trust. Well, I don't feel like I'm under the shadow. Then start saying it, and you'll get under the shadow. You follow words. If I told you I'm taking everybody to ice cream today at 1 o'clock, meet me at the store and see how many show up who believe my words. I believe my words before I believe your word, and you do as well. You believe yourself, and you believe yourself even in the negative. Well, that won't work. 
That Bible stuff, Brahma stuff don't work. You ain't even tried it. You know, and there's all kinds of teachings like that, name it and claim it and all that. I'm talking about standing on the promises. You can't claim you're a chicken and then go be one. That's, that's goofiness. But you can declare that you are a child of God, that I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So, Holy Spirit, help me to start seeing life in a new way. Help me to start seeing as Jesus would see. Help me move with compassion. Help me receive compassion. Help me to forgive myself. Help me to get rid of bitterness. I want to be new. I know, don't shut me down. I know it's, this, is, this is, but the cares of this world in verse 19 and the deceitfulness of riches, chasing money, worrying, 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 worrying. What are we going to do? 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 It chokes the word. You're trusting in the problem more than you are the promise. You believe in what you see out here, and this world's going to hell in a handbasket. But we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We know we're going to heaven. We know the kingdom of God is working in us. Can you say amen? Or oh me. One or the other, huh? Number three, the growing of the seed. It's the growing of the seed. There's a time of turning, hearing, and receiving that you turn to the Word and go after it. Well, man, it's just, I just can't get into the Bible, Pastor. It's just like, but you, you know, but I can play a video game for three hours and not even know. We're like, oh, my goodness, it's been three hours. Let's play two more. And I can't memorize the Word, Pastor. I just can't memorize. Man, let me tell you something. You know how you can memorize the Word? It's not singing it. How many songs do you know? I bet I know 3,000 songs, and I, some of them aren't godly. Because, okay, I wasn't always, you know, grow up in the 70s where the best music was ever written, and, you know, hey. And I listened to 50s music because my mama wouldn't listen to nothing else. So I know, hello, ling dong, ling, you know, all that stuff. But anyway. Music will help you. It was invented by God to help you under and remember the Word of God. That's why we try to sing scriptures. That's why you need to go ahead and look at that hymn. If it's your favorite hymn, break it down. And what does it mean from the Word? What doctrine is hidden in that? Man, there's some great ones. Man, all hell, King Jesus, the Spirit of God is in this place. Whenever you show up, the Spirit of God's there. Do you know the Holy Spirit goes to work with you? Goes to the bathroom with you. He's in the car with you. He's in the grocery store with you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. Quit telling him to be with me. He's already with you. You insult him. Thank you for being with me today, Holy Spirit. Change your word. Thank you for being right here. Help me to recognize you. Help me to see you working in my life. Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Show me Jesus. Help me to worship Jesus. What would Jesus do, Holy Spirit? What does the Father want? Ask the Holy, start talking to him. He's supposed to be your friend. How would you feel if your mama never called you or you can't talk to your mama or you, can't, you don't talk to your wife? I told the story. This pastor preached all the time and he lost his voice and the doctor said, don't speak for a week. And after two days, his wife goes, are you mad at me? You have a, you. He goes, I ain't supposed to say nothing. 
But she's like, you haven't spoken to me. What do you think God feels? You think the Holy Spirit just following you around like, let me help you a little bit. Hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. He tells me, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. If you don't hear that, you're not listening. Oh, he'll tell you, do that, do that, do that. Because it seems right in my spirit. See, you have a, the Bible says the belly of a man, which is, this is where you recognize your spirit, is a candle of the Lord. You're led by your spirit, by, oh, the world calls it a gut feeling, or women's intuition. Man said, man, I had a gut feeling that was going to happen. That's God trying to tell you something. Don't do that, don't do that. I, 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 I remember two strong times that I had a don't do that, and my boss made me do that, and it broke my leg, almost killed me. And I knew better, and I didn't put my foot down. Another time, I was working at the church, and we took a building down, and I had more stuff on the trailer than my truck, more weight on the trailer than what was in my truck, and more hanging off, too. And I pulled out of the parking lot, and the Holy Spirit said, don't drive this trailer. And I just pulled right across the other side of the road, and we're doing church work, Lord. Don't matter. He's trying to talk to you, and I'm tired, and I want to go home. I get out, and I start praying. I'm walking around this trailer. I'm walking around this trailer. Lord, help me get this trailer home. I'm ready to go home. And he said, don't drive this trailer. And everybody pulls up. What's the matter? Nothing. And I got halfway to church. I jackknifed that trailer. That's fun going, no, it ain't either. I went past, I mean, I went a, almost 100 yards backwards with that trailer pushing me. And I wasn't doing but 30 miles an hour. Four lane, actually it was six lanes, the middle one's open. And, man, it's just a miracle because if I'd have jackknifed that trailer on the bridge going over the river, that'd have been fun. No. I always said, they called me Joy Chitwood stunt driver after that. And my pastor said, don't tell the wives. It was three years before the wives found out that we jackknifed that trailer. <laughs> they had to shut us down, huh? Because we crazy. But God said, don't do it. And I knew it. And I'm walking around this thing trying to talk myself into it. I know somebody that special ordered a Corvette, saved up for five years and ordered a Corvette and went to test drive it and didn't go 100 yards, pulled over and started walking around it. And his wife said, you know it ain't the right one. I don't know why you're walking around it. No, I've been waiting on this thing. I want it. But he didn't take it. Do you ever ask the Holy Spirit? He wants to speak to you. He would tell you. Gary used to stand out years back and witness to people in the parking lot. Instead of just going to everybody, they'd say, okay, Lord, is that one hungry for you? Is that one hungry for you? There's three of them, and they'd go, that one right there, and they'd go up and witness to them and get them saved. Why not? Why not? Who's hungry? Who wants God? Ask God, what can I say that would touch their heart? What can I do? This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be his witnesses. We're his disciples. Well, I'm not one of the 12 apostles, Pastor. Well, let's see, there was, it was 72 that went out. Who were those people? They were you and me. And he told them the same thing. Go cast out devils, preach the God, the kingdom's in the hand. And they came back, wow, because they took a step. Come on, take a step on the promise. And God's already with you. He's waiting on you.
to be that light, to be that witness, to go ahead and declare the promises of God. And if you, and, and you know, and so many people are like, man, they, they don't, uh, prosperity this, there's not, there's not a prosperity gospel, there is a provision gospel, and, and, but there's not a poverty gospel either. I, people swear oaths of poverty, y'all. Well, the Lord doesn't want me to have because he just knows it'll just go to my head. Baloney, grow up. Do what the Word says. It says have a storehouse. It learn how to save. Learn how to save money. Then you can be a blessing to somebody. It won't kill you. Oh, I got $500. I'm supposed to give $500 to somebody? Oh, well, if you got 5000 in the bank, it's easy to chuck out 500 because you've saved it up. Now, God, what do you want me to do with this? Just give, some, give him 500 Good thing you didn't say 5000 But you're, you're learning to be a blessing, not to withhold. God loves a generous giver. How do you become a generous giver? you got to save some money. Or you're going to have to start giving it out of your pocket and not have it in the bank and give it $10 at a time. But the Bible says that God will bless your basket and your store. Your storehouse, that's a savings account. Your basket is your checking account. Come on, it all translates. Everything in the Old Testament, all the promises come through. But the curses, Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. But we have to use the promise that he's redeemed us from the curse to say, whoop, that's a curse. Get out of here. Fight it. The devil's going to see how, you know, how, how far he can lead you with that curse. You ever getting sick and tired of being sick and tired? So you got to change. Oh, Lord, help me. Then you know what we need to say? Then quit eating that. But I like ice cream. Don't eat it anymore. How about don't eat it for a month? I'm getting all, listen, there's this guy. Uh, I was listening to this pastor this week, and his son started dating this girl. And he could tell it was getting serious. And he said, Lord, I, I, wh- how, do, how do we deal? How, what do you want to do about this? I mean, it's, 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 she's a Christian. He's a Christian. How do we do this? And fasting came up as he was studying. He's like, Okay, do you fast? Do I fast food? Do I fast what? What do I need to fast yet? And the Lord spoke to him that they need to fast each other for 40 days and then see how well they missed each other and how well their relationship and just that they need to meditate on me and ask God about this relationship for 40 days. How many of y'all took driver's ed? Was it six weeks long or longer? It was like six weeks, wasn't it? How, huh? Week? Anybody? You know what? People, we get married and we don't do anything. I like you. I like you too. Let's get married. <laughs> but here's what. This guy, this kid was serious, a college kid. And they started fasting. After four days, she called him. He goes, wait a minute. You ain't supposed to call me. He woke, she woke him up. He said, you ain't supposed to call me. We're supposed to be fasting. She goes, well, what your daddy don't know won't hurt. And the Holy Spirit said, what you don't know, if she don't trust your daddy, she's not going to trust you. He said, no, we're over. Bye. Wow. Didn't want him four days. So, so man, you're just extreme, brother, Pastor. Why, you, brother Barry, you're going crazy. No, no, you need to seek God. You need to, you, you know, marriage is a great thing. But you need to seek God. And you know what? I, I, maybe you didn't have counseling. It's never too late. 
man, we got, we got all kinds of marriage on the rock. We've got all kinds of uh, groups and stuff. But, but dig in and, and let God change your life and let God prepare you for marriage. And, and you know what? Well, I don't think he's the right one. Well, God can make him the right one because you married him. Come on, it's a covenant. And God can make you the right one if you're already married. You don't think, if you're in this room thinking, you know what, I, I don't know if our marriage is going to make it. Well, you know what? Go to God. And God will start changing you and him. Because everybody wants the perfect mate. But you're not the perfect mate. So you got to change, they got to change. And the person you can change first is you. You'll never change him or her. They got to want to change. Because, yeah, 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 ha, 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 doesn't change your husband. Or it doesn't change your wife. Oh, man, help me, Lord. <laughs> so, 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 so as we're looking at this, where in the world are we at? I done got off. Y'all messed me up. <laughs> in, in verse 19. All right, wait a minute, wait a minute. Verse 18, these are the ones sold by the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desire of other things enter and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Come on, the word of God is supposed to be fruitful in your life. It's supposed, that means it's supposed to change you. And, and as you become fruitful, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, meekness, you start producing fruit. And people will recognize, man, anybody ever other than me ever, I was roofing and I hit my finger and I'm doing that dance across the roof. And somebody said, why ain't you cussing? Because it ain't in me. I don't, I'm, I'm hurting, but I'm not cussing. And then I learned to speak the name of Jesus over that hurt. Huh? And so, you know, uh, the enemy comes to just test our metal. And so you're a witness and a light, and, and you, you need to be fruitful in the Word of God. Number three, growing of the seed, the time of turning and hearing and receiving. That was already there. Y'all got to help me now. I told y'all. So Mark 4, 26, and he said, The kingdom of God is as a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep night and day and then rise and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. I'm going to pick on Miss Becky again. You put corn in the ground, and I think if I'm right, and it didn't come up, you had to replant it. Yeah. It got cold, didn't it? Huh. The atmosphere can affect the Word of God in your life. But you keep planting it. You keep watering it. You keep speaking to it. And you don't know how that the Word of God is going to produce in your life because you're looking at just dirt. I'm just dirt. I'm just a worm. But God wants to take you as a worm and make you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is a promise. And through the blood of Jesus, we're right with God already. We just got to learn how to take that position. This couple got married a couple weeks ago. Their position, she's the wife and he's the groom. And you're still the wife and groom, even though you didn't stand up here anymore. You're a husband and wife. And so you got to produce wife. You got to produce husband. You got to be that. The Word of God works. But the Word of God works in you, and you don't understand how the, how the seed comes up. or You know, you can't guess it. And, and if you're always digging up your seed, well, it was coming up, and I dug it up too quick. 
You know how you dig it up too quick, sweet your mouth, the same way you plant it, and it don't look right, it don't look good, it's not working, it's not working. Pastor Brad, it ain't working. I told you it wouldn't work for me, because that's what the devil told me, putting the Word of God in my mouth, it, it worked for preachers. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't a preacher when I started putting the Word of God in my mouth, didn't have an inkling to be a preacher, I just want to do something for the kingdom of God. And I'm still a servant wanting to do something for the kingdom of God. That's how I became a pastor. I just want to do something for the kingdom of God. Pastor, what you want me to do? I'm doing the cobwebs. I'm painting the children's room. I'm putting carpet. I'm cleaning commodes. I'm putting a new commode in. Mm. Huh? You quit coming here if the commodes weren't clean. It's ministry. I didn't realize it's ministry, but it's ministry. If the commodes aren't clean, and nobody, it stinks in here. Pastor, what is? Well, the commodes ain't flushed. Well, you know what? We got to get that fixed. Just saying, you don't think you're a comfort human being, but you like comfort. And the commode being able to flush is comfort. And heat and cold. Oh, man, help me focus, Lord. <laughs> so, so. For the earth yields its crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after the full grain in the head, verse 29, but when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. When you start doing the word, it starts growing in your life, and you know what? The harvest comes, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, whatever, but you need the fruit in your life, and when love, joy, and peace, guess what? My love, you get to partake of it, and I miss you when I don't see you. Because your love and joy and peace ministers to me. See, the tree don't eat the fruit. The birds come, people come. I mean, you know, the tree don't eat the apples. But it produces fruit in other people. Come on. It'll make another tree. And you're supposed to be the tree planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth fruit in its season. And your wheat doesn't. And you know what? People won't be, oh, man, I like them. I won't be by them. Ooh, peace over here and joy over here and love's over here. Man, I like this tree right here. I'm sitting under the shade right here. Are you a shade tree? Are you a tree producing fruit? Or do people see you and go, huh? Do they run from you? They're in Walmart. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I got to quit. I got to finish this sermon. Oh, man, we're, we're sowing and reaping, y'all. We're supposed to be sowing. We're supposed to be reaping. And, and your joy is contagious for me. Your love is contagious to me. Your long-suffering, like, oh, when I'm doing my, you know, what, what is it? On my last nerve, end of my rope. Come on. You all know these things. You, you know, your kid's on your last nerve. Your husband's you know, at the end of your rope with your husband. Come on. That's not long-suffering. God wants you to, to be long-suffering, and he may have you put your kids in time out, but you still might have to suffer a little bit. And we're going to get ugly here in a minute because uh, we'll we talk about your kids in just for a second here. So the growing of the seed, it's time to hear it. Let's turn to the word. Let's hear the word, and let's receive it in the good soil of our heart so it starts producing. Keep saying it. Keep speaking it. 
Come on, I'm a child of God. I'm an overcomer. I'll tell you, get up when you're shaving or combing your hair. And if you didn't comb your hair, we know, go ahead and comb it. But when you're combing your hair, you say to yourself, you're a child of God. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. There's a scripture for every one of them. By no means will God leave you alone. He'll speak to you. So speak to me. Look in the mirror and say, Holy Spirit, speak to this man right here that needs, this woman right here, whatever. Declare who you are in Christ and establish your heart. Know what you believe. And, be, and study it out and find out, you know what, I've been, I've been believing wrong. I have believed wrong, y'all. I've even taught from a little bit wrong. I get on my knees and say, God, forgive me. And sometimes I say things that is not right because I want you to hear the good news of the gospel and want to hear and receive Jesus. And, and God doesn't leave us nor forsake us. And Jesus said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to give you life. And sometimes life's hard. But know that God's going to turn your circumstances and bring you life. So Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. That's planning. Faith comes by planning and planning and planning and planning. So you want more faith? Start planting the word of God in your life. You want more faith? Start hearing it. Come on, put somebody on that's going to preach something to you. Put so, get into the Word and put it in first person. Go, there's promises books back there. There's promise, you can get a promise book and put that thing in your mouth and in your heart. What are you standing on? I need some peace. And find one scripture that God said he'll give you the peace that passes understanding. What that means, and I, I like what uh, Bill Johnson said, sometimes you've got to give up understanding to get peace. Quit trying to figure it out. And I'm a figure-outer. Come on, I want to figure out how to fix something. I want to figure out how to help something, build something. I want to figure it out. But sometimes you've got to just trust God and receive his peace and don't try to figure out why it happened, you know, because we chase the why. I've seen people get cancer. I don't know why this happened to me. Well, there's an enemy. You may open the door, but first of all, recognize there's an enemy that wants to take you out. And Jesus came to, to defeat that enemy. That's where you start. And then ask God to reveal some things to you and God to forgive you and clean and heal you or whatever. I mean, even the thief on the cross, he was dying on the cross for his sin, but he said, remember me. And Jesus said, you'll be with me in paradise. He recognized who Jesus was and believed in him and got to go to heaven. Thus, don't make it too hard. Let's just get right, stay right, and get with the right people in the right place at the right time because it's way better there than in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. So, in Mark 4, 24, and then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use it, it will be measured to you. This is the end of that, uh, of that scripture. It says, uh, take heed or what measure you use, it will be measured to you. Ah, that's why it's going to be measured to you. Miss Shirley said, you're going to reap what you sow. If you don't sow, you won't have no harvest. If there's no promise in your mouth, if there's no promise, you've got to get a promise that Matthew 8, 17, Jesus himself bore my sickness and infirmities. Man, I've, 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 did that, I've got tennis elbow in this arm before. Mm. And all, they, all the doctor says, well, there ain't nothing we can do for it. You, you know, you got to exercise it. Well, I exercise it like this. 
Matthew 8, 17 says, Jesus bore my sickness and infirmities. And you know what? There's a psalm that says, God heals my wounds. So arm, you got to line up with the word of God. It's what Jesus said to do. Jesus went about Acts 10, 38. I quote it all the time. You ought to memorize it. Do you know what Acts 10, 38 says? How, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Doesn't mean every stinking sickness is, it comes on you is from the devil, but it originally came from the devil. The virus germs, mold, mildew, thorns, and thistles is a curse. It came from the original sin, and there are virus germs in this room that came from the original sin, but Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the original sin. But you got to be the policeman. Freeze. Get out. People laugh. I always use that stray dog come in my house. I've got the doors open, just enjoying life, and here comes somebody's dog in my house. I got my own dogs in the backyard. I don't need somebody else's dog who flee. Get out of here. And it turned and left. Some of y'all are like, oh, that's the devil. Oh, come sit by me. I kind of feel sorry for him. What? You need to run the devil off and tell him to get. So, so listen, let me back up. I'm going to read in Mark 24. It's, it's kind of a little difficult. He said to them, take heed what you hear. What are you hearing? Looking bad out there, Pastor. Have you watched the news lately? Nope. I don't have to watch the news. I have people tell me what's going on. With the same measure you use it, it will be measured to you. To you who hear, more will be given. Ooh, what are you hearing? You're hearing negative, more will be given. For whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away because that person is in the negative realm. Well, you know, if something bad happens, it's going to happen to me. If something, oh, you know what? Doom, despair, and agony on me. That's not the right confession. Calling in deep, dark depression, excessive misery. So, how do you sow? Your tongue, your mouth. Where's the soil? It's in your heart. It's in your heart. And as it produces, it comes out of your mouth too. So, you plant. And you keep getting what you plant because it's going to come out of your mouth, good, bad, negative. These aren't scriptures, but these are true. Listen to this. A person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. A person with a negative tongue has a fearful heart. Oh, don't go out there. It's cold, dark, and dangerous. It's 100 degrees and there's not a cloud in the sky. But they're looking at and they're operating out of fear. A person with an overactive tongue has an unsettled heart. A person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. A person with a critical heart, a critical tongue, all the time has a bitter heart. Well, I tell you, you know, he always goes late. Always, 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 my husband never comes home on time. Critical, critical, critical. You want to know what you're saying? Look at your kids. Are they unsettled? Are they bitter? Man, they're picking up 
they're hearing and it's being planted in them what you say. But a person who's always encouraging has a graceful heart. And a person who speaks gently has a loving heart. And a person who speaks truthfully has an honest heart. What kind of heart do you have? Look at your heart. Proverbs 21, 23 says, Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. You have a spirit and you have a soul. And your soul up here is where the enemy tries to attack you with worries and fears and all these rocks and stuff that drop down in your spirit. But if you'll control your tongue, you'll protect your life. The Bible says, teaches that. That your tongue is so important because you're made in the image and the likeness of God. And God sends his word to heal you, to help you, to strengthen you, to protect you. And so whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Because there's a battle going on. It's for the peace of God and the trouble of the world. And the trouble of the world, don't let it overcome you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God today. And that you help us to recognize how we live and what we say. We want to obey your words and put your word in our mouth and learn how to pray it and speak it over our lives. This is the key, Lord. So as you look at your heart today, I want you to judge yourself. The Bible says if a man judges himself, then he will not be judged of God or not be judged by circumstances. Look at your heart. Put the promises of God there. What's growing? Is it bitterness? Is it envy? Is it strife? Or is the kingdom of God growing in you? Come on, let's make, a, let's make a choice today to let the kingdom of God grow in us in a greater measure. Now, let me ask you this. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, this is where you begin. You give your heart to God and he will change your life. Maybe you're here today and you've never given Jesus your heart. If that's you and you've never prayed and asked Jesus to come into your heart, will you lift your hand this morning? Let me pray for you. Just lift your hand up. We're not going to embarrass you. We do have some books and things we want to give you. But maybe you're here today and you're like, whoo, Lord, I need to get right with God. You know, maybe you feel like the prodigal son. And you just, you haven't been living for him and you haven't, prayed lately, you haven't given your life to God, you want to turn and change, if that's you, just raise your hand up and put it back down. I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand. Let's all pray this together. Look at me and say this. Say, Father, I believe in Jesus, that he died for me. I accept all that he did. Lord, open my eyes to see the truth from your word, the promises that are for me and my family. Teach me how to live by them. And thank you for forgiving me always. When I ask, in Jesus' name, amen.